All right, welcome everyone to Northview's Extra Podcast. This is episode number 190. Whoa! Wow. Hey, wow. question. Yes. yes, Greg. We get to 200. Um, what are we doing for 200? Celebration. Live. You know, I think it's just it's just another one. Because for the 100th one episode, we, we did a video. That's right. One. Should we bring that back or no? <laughs> Let's not. There hasn't been a big request for it. <laughs> it's much better when there's not video. We could have Are listeners sure? bring no, us impossible. food and gifts. But Ezra wore that Michelin Man jacket. <laughs> remember that? I do remember That's it. That's right. Yes. That was a good day. Have you noticed that Ezra stopped wearing the calculator watch? Altogether, he has determined that he no longer wears the calculator watch. I think we beat him into submission with it. No, you didn't. It's just the battery is dead, so no, I have yet not. to replace it. So it's not worth it to Dude, where's the battery. I have no, not I seen the bish- I haven't seen that. I haven't seen the BC turkey coat for a while. Yeah. Oh, it's there. <laughs> Trust me, it's there. BC turkey coat. It is there, and it'll it'll make its comeback in the spring. It really? usually shows up in the spring. What kind of tea did you make? Why are you? Sticking his, sticking your nose in this tea. Min- he smells minty. Oh. Hey, I bring you greetings from uh, Winnipeg, from Red Lobster, Andy. <laughs> there you. you know what he does? He sends me uh, a coupon for yeah. Red Lobster. <laughs> I and just thought you want to go. It's not just Shrimp Fest right now. It's Big Shrimp Fest. Oh, yeah. Is that not an oxymoron? <laughs> I don't know, but it looks tasty. In Winnipeg? All right, great. <laughs> yeah. <It looked> tasty. <laughs> They get the shrimp from Lake Winnipeg. No, seriously, how good was it? (laughs) (laughs) It it was awesome, yes. I had the Harborside Trio. The what? Twice. In in Winnipeg. The Harborside. So I came with a a lobster tail and two different kinds of shrimp and broccoli and rice. For $6.99. No, no, it's not not real cheap, but had that twice, both times I went. Thought of you both times. Harborside. I appreciate Yeah. I appreciated you carrying. I appreciate the picture. Was it it worth the, the hype? The, because you were the red so lobster? Like, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, okay. Yeah. I told you guys red lobster is where it's at. You've never been there. I know, but I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> fine dining at its best. Okay, I w- when you say fine dining. <laughs> maybe in Winnipeg it is. Yeah. Apologies to anybody from Winnipeg listening. Hey, thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions for us here at the podcast, please send them to extra at northview.org. And we would love to answer them. Now, I missed last week, obviously, because I was having Red Lobster. Um, but you guys gave some football predictions, and th- they weren't real accurate. Well, The Patriots-Colts, no. you, you called that that was going to be a blowout. Yep. I think everybody else is going to be kind of close. And then the I said Seattle it was going to be when we picked the winners, though, didn't we? You picked the winners, yeah. But you thought the Seattle game was going to be a blowout. I did. And, I it, did. and then and it was not. And then the Bizarro Seahawks showed showed up. <laughs> for the, the Bizarro Seahawks showed up for what fifty five minutes of the game. Yes, yes. And then, then something happened. And then, you know, they are so good that Russell Wilson can throw four interceptions. He actually had more completions to Green Bay than he did to Curse. Yeah. Uh, and they still get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's how good they are. Is that how good they are? <laughs> so, That's how good they are. <laughs> first of all, I'd like to point out that I actually thought the game was going to be close. Yeah. I you, said it was not right. going to be a blowout. I said that Rodgers scared me. I also didn't know that none of the receivers would be able to catch a football <laughs> without batting it in the air directly to a Green Bay player. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't and take it, that into account. It's so funny, too. Like like you'd think the, te- the one team that could handle the rain yeah. would have been the Seahawks, but apparently not. Jermaine Curse, who grew up in, in Seattle Washington. area... Went to the University of Washington, and he like, he can't it was like rain was weird for him. I yeah. Guess. yeah, 
Well, he waited and caught it at the and right then, but time. But you know what? Hey, I told my kids after that game was over, sat him down, and I looked him in the eye, and I said, never give up. You never give up. Honestly, it, that's the story here, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The story here is the, the guy who the last four times that Russell Wilson threw it to him, it was intercepted, went audibled out of the play that they had to throw him the ball down the middle of the field for the winning the score. The guy who hadn't caught the a ball called, and yeah, all day. intercepted every yeah. time. <laughs> like, I don't know why that is not – I've listened to lots of sports radio. I don't know why this isn't being mm-hmm. harped on by people all over the place saying what a great – story yeah Mm -hmm. but just watch the last five minutes yeah actually you know i watched i watched the the game and then i rewatched portions of it and you know we they just made a ton of mistakes Mm. like weird things like tipping the ball or fumbling on kickoffs or just under throwing the stuff that we our team never does yeah and they did but But i think the way seattle has been playing for a while they've been playing great football and so every team is all, every good team, they usually do a bad game somewhere in there. So it's a kind of good thing that they've already it's taken care of their bad, Let's hope so. bad game. <laughs> they got their bad game out by winning either the that, Either that or yeah, that. Exactly. the New England Patriots are going to win by like 50. By the way, I was right on that one. That was a blowout. Good. Yeah. Felt good about that. Good. I'm Thanks, guys. patting Andy on the back. I'd also like Thanks, to point Andy. out that for, for listeners who want a little insight on Ezra, Ezra, after the game, wrote in, like, caps lock on Facebook how excited he was, which to me, caps lock just made, I just think it's funny all the time, <laughs> seeing people writing caps lock. It's just his... It's another level he's of just, And he used multiple exclamation marks. Like, Ezra was you, over the top. Who excited. wasn't? Jeff called me. I, I was Right happy. at the end of the game. I was on the phone with Jeff. They won! They won! <laughs> and you were PVRing it? Or? No, I, said, I was watching it live. I couldn't believe it. I know that was, yeah, that I was thinking, like it was crazy. Yeah, you guys, good are fun. Pro, pro caps lock. Okay. Yeah. So next week we will. You give know what? Some... If that, look, if there's any time for pro caps lock, isn't that it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> like in it. the rest of your life, are you going to see a comeback victory by a team you support anywhere near that? No. But no. Andy's they were down sixteen nothing at halftime. Andy's going to caps lock that when he gets to Red Lobster. Oh, he's gonna say I'm eating the Harbor Trio. I don't know if the caps lock is actually. It's the Harbor Side Trio. Legitimate. (laughs) Oh, the Harbor Side Trio. (laughs) You didn't want to go to Red Lobster when we were there. No, I didn't. And that's your loss. Is that like the tour of Italy? Still not my loss. The uh, no Olive Garden Garden has the tour of Italy. That's what I'm saying. But like, is this like the equivalent? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it would be kind of. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was gonna say I'm not sure Italy's known for their lobster. Well, yeah. that's are Winnipeg. For, yeah, that's <laughs> more than Winnipeg. <laughs> All right. Well, enough of sports talk and travel trivia. Uh, welcome, Kyle. Hi, I missed the sports up. talk. Sorry. Yeah, you totally missed the sports talk section. We have Kyle here. We got Greg. Hi. Ezzy. Yep. You feeling okay? Yeah, I'm good. Drinking tea. Okay, mm. Jeff. Yeah. Hi. Mm. You like it? And I'm Andy. I'm here. And Jeremy, the intern. Hello. Who's our producer slash technical person? So if you have any problems with how this sounds, tis fault. Yeah. Talk to Daryl. Talk to the intern. Talk All right. To Daryl. Well, we got a number of questions um, that want to get into, but um, first, uh, any comments uh, or anything you want to say about your message this weekend, Jeff? That you didn't get to to say? Dude, I barely remember what I said. <laughs> That was so t- Although, so I was at the 9 o'clock service, and right at the beginning you said, hey, I may not even remember what I'm saying, but that's fine because most of you out there don't remember what I'm saying <laughs> anyway. 
And then after that, when you got into your message, it like I, I totally forgot you were sick. Like, yeah, you, I didn't. Really, man, yeah, God I'm just it. did something for you there. No, though. You came across really clear. Saturday night was pretty funny. <laughs> that I actually at one point uh, I tend to exert some energy when I preach, and so. Uh, like at one point, I got kind of excited about something, and I started this room started to spin. So I had to actually hold on to the wow the stand and kind of brace myself for falling. I thought this isn't going to go well. I didn't know why I was so the sickness has just wiped me out. I just wanted to lay down the whole time. Well, we could have arranged that. No kidding. Can you imagine? That would have been a great place to preach from. You laying know, down on a couch. I, <laughs> why not? I, I noticed, uh, I, mean, I mean, it was a great message, but what, just in sermons in general, when I listen to you guys preach, your illustrations that you have, particularly the personal illustrations, like they fit so well. Do you make those up or are they actually <laughs> true stories? Well, um, they are true stories. Now, which ones are you referring to? That, you know, storytelling is an art, so you don't, you, you always exaggerate so it happened but it didn't quite it. happen as well, exciting no, I mean, maybe as you like no it. sometimes it's it's quite close but you know this is if you ever talk about storytelling yeah like the names that i use in a lot of this stuff aren't, aren't real names the real things that happened but they're not real names of people you don't have three I kids hide, well that those sorts of things well it comes from my kids and stuff like that but like if i talk about some of the names or things, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. There have been there have been times where I you, you do that to hide the. I love how my wife the at the, will always remind me of where I have in the telling a story like mm. exaggerate. I, I, yeah, I don't remember it quite like that. <laughs> but but <laughs> but it was better, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> but it's not. It's not what, what you're saying is, is. It's based on a true story. Well, not just that. It is. It, it is a. It, it did happen. It's just that the, the you're summarizing people's words, yeah, or you're summarizing people's approach or or eyes or something like that. And so, of course, you always exaggerate parts of the of the story to make to to to, to add effect. humor or to make the point you're trying to do. Of course, you do. But that's what makes good storytelling. Good yeah. storytelling is when you sit there and when the stories you know, tend to perfectly with what you're trying to say. They illustrate it really well. Right. And there's a reason I thought you think of the illustrations because it does illustrate yeah. the point that you're trying to make. And you do, you do if you're doing it well, you're, you are forming the, not forming the stories around the point, but sometimes the, you, you phrase the point in just such a way that it'll lead into that particular, because you have that illustration that you knew w would be helpful. So you phrase the point in such a way that it it lends itself to that illustration. Right. So they, they tend to go together. Well, and I listen to you guys preach and go, man, like all this stuff happens to you guys. Like happens I, to you too. You know, well, that's what I want. Yeah. Does it happen to me and I just sure. don't notice it? Oh, or I don't... We, we could sit around and ask you story about different stories. Or you're sat in a room with a bunch of people and and when they bring something, that's usually how you get your illustrations in the end. Mm. So uh, like Greg sits across from me and I'll, or Ezra sits across from me here at the office. And, and when I'm looking for an illustration, I'll ask them, so do you guys, has, has, have you ever experienced this sort of thing? Or have there, has there been a time where, you know, if you've got a, a principle that you're trying to illustrate, they'll think and they'll say, well, yeah, actually it's one time. And then when they start talking, immediately you think, oh, yeah, I remember something similar yeah. to that happening in, in, in my life. Or, and then you choose between them or yours or you end up hearing about somebody else. Uh, an illustration that they read at one point about something like that. I've gone, Kyle, I think I've, I've asked you from time to time about an illustration, if you remember something, and he'll point it in the right direction. 
But all this talk, this doesn't mean that it's deceptive. No. Does it? Well, no, you tell me. You tell me. I'll be honest with you. I think that the. I think that this is the way I understand oral, hmm. oral history, is the is is that it's. I mean, if you look at, for example, the Old Testament, which is largely oral history, there are several different versions of uh, David and Goliath story. So, so are they wrong? So which one? Which one is exactly right? And the, the oral history usually, I think that they determine it's about. You have to. You can have. You can range around what thirty to forty percent in the details, but the core of it needs to be there. No, you're staring at me like well, I'm lying the, to you. Well, if we believe the Bible's inerrant, how yes. does that? How does that? How does this impact? Because that this, this, because the spirit. The, what, what we believe is that the words of the text are inerrant. So what is recorded there is inerrant. Yes. And that God inspired the authors to, or breathed out the very things that are being written in the in His Word at that point. So the stories are true; they're not inflated a little bit. No, so but I think you summarize speech. That doesn't mean that Jesus, for example, uh, the speech that Jesus has isn't summarized. I I don't know how you can read John's Gospel and not think that John is summarizing Jesus and putting his his images like light and darkness and, th- and emphasizing these things. In Jesus' speech, he's all throughout John's gospel. He's emphasizing kind of the distance between the way Jesus sees things and the way that, everybody else sees things. He says that at the end of his book, right? He says, "I could fill up libraries." If I but the way that he tells those stories, though, is markedly different than the synoptic writers. But they're still the same same stories. And even in the synoptic writers, you have different emphases being brought. I mean, this is the traditional <laughs> explanation for why you have more than one angel at the at the tomb, right, in some cases, because it's, it doesn't serve the purposes of the author to mention more than one. So why does, for example, Matthew go into detail about G- Peter walking on water? And that's totally left out in Luke's account. It's Luke, right? Or Mark? Luke? I can't remember with the other, which, which other writer. You, you are totally looking like no, are you want to... You are you with me then. No, no, no. I, so what you're saying then is there aren't contradictions. There's different emphases. Right. There are things drawn out with from the story that's from the happening that's true, although the author has to limit. I mean, we don't have a, a verbatim sermon mm. from Jesus. But I'm not— I, but, Or he just, just preached real, sh- real short sermons when he No, when he that's traveled. right. Like, so, for example, Paul's— Sermon on Mount, three, three chapters. Yeah. How long does that take to, to read? Paul's, sermon, minutes, Paul's sermons uh, in Lystra, for example, in Acts 16—or, I, I, sorry, Acts 14. Is that—is it Acts 14? Yes. Anyway— He's in Lystra. It's very short. I don't think it was very short. I also don't think it was very short in Acts 17 and on Mars Hill. I think it had more in it. But it's Luke's retelling of Paul's sermon, which is why when we interpret the Scripture, I'm interested in what Luke is saying, not, not what Paul's saying, even though it is Paul saying it. But I want to know how Luke is using Paul's language, because I believe Luke was inspired to write the passage. So how the Spirit is inspiring Luke to right. record what... Paul said. Right. For us. You know, the problem that we have, though, here we sit in the 21st century looking back, it's because of all our legal, mm. uh, our legalese and our belief that mm. truth mm. is defined by legal documents. And so we believe that that needs to be dropped over everything. Wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. That we have this attitude that says it's, stop smirking. No. You just <laughs> reach across and I'm a smirk. He's just a happy guy. He's, he's smiling. No, I think it's I a just, very... I just, I just wanted to draw that out a little bit. It's a very helpful discussion. Yeah, about the... There, there aren't contradictions. They're just different emphases as the, the events are being 
right. being recorded and, no, we all and do reserved. The same thing. Oh, without us. a doubt. Even when we talk about our vacation, I don't tell you my whole vacation. I just highlight what I want you to know about. Or right, and it'll always be about. it'll be from your perspective, and it'll be for your purposes. Yep. So if you're if you're trying to illustrate a point, or if you're trying to retell a story to a friend, you'll you'll mm-hmm. leave out the portions of the story that aren't so relevant to your friend. Yeah. Right, or also but, be a really, really long story to go through right. the whole and your vacation. Gets really right. boring. I don't know if you've ever been in, with people who le- put all the details of everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Come this on, is, this going. is the old like slideshow vacation thing where right. they would show you every picture that they ever took on their vacation. Even the blurry a, ones. And it was an eight-hour totally because they took, took the picture, so we're going to show it to you. Right. So my point is that you're not you don't speak in legal language. Uh, you don't speak in legal document language. So to expect people of ages past to have that kind of speaking or recording it, it's just not it's not the way it's not the way it works and the, the big has been. the big point here then is just because you speak in some sort of legal way doesn't also make it well that's true but if you shorten mm. it and just highlight certain mm. aspects well all of a sudden that's not true no right. mm. but you have a purpose in mind that's my point in all communication you have a purpose in mind to include what you include and to leave out what you leave out yeah. and so in storytelling same thing yeah yeah, there are parts of it. My wife will tell me uh, when she's been somewhere. She 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 recognizes that. Yeah, some some of the details that you emphasized were not details that she would have emphasized. Or you, when you're telling a story, you try to reach in the minds of somebody else, mm-hmm. and you become a narrator of the story. Mm-hmm. When the truth is, you don't really know what that other person is thinking, but it adds an element to the story of humor or the point that you're trying to make. You see what I mean? Yeah. 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 Good. Um, now, we, we left this question, uh, or we put this question aside for a few weeks. This was back in December um, because it was about the Moses movie. Now, you were going to go see it, Kyle. Yeah, I didn't because uh, I saw Unbroken. It's oh, on Netflix set. now. Exodus? Unbroken? No, Exodus is on Netflix, so you can no, go watch no, it. No, no, Moses is. No, it is. Noah is. Is Noah on Netflix? Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. It's all the same story. It's a story. different story, right? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so nobody saw the Moses movie. Yeah, I, I did. I've, oh, oh, yeah. We wait. already talked about it, though. No, because we were going to wait. We talked about it all yeah. So this listener said, reading an article about the movie, uh, they said they took Moses out of the Bible and also Moses out of the Quran and put them together. So my question is, do you know how Moses is different between the two? No. All right. Next question. Question about grace and salvation. Are we going to come back to that question later? You well, like when? Know. Nobody's going to see the movie now, so I don't know the answer. I don't, to the well, that question wasn't about the movie. It was about no, the difference between the way that Moses is per- portrayed in the script in the Bible and the way that Moses is portrayed in the Quran. That's the issue. So I don't know the answer Ky- to that question. Kyle's, Kyle's the is one our resident who's Quran resident. expert. Yeah. Uh, no, not a, definitely not an expert in the Quran. Um, yeah, I, I, the the stories are a lot less in the Quran. It's um, the 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 Bible has a lot longer stories in general with all the different prophets. Um, he's recognized Moses is in the Quran. He's recognized as a prophet, but other than that, I I got nothing. So if the Quran emphasizes, it tells a shorter version than the Bible, and it's just telling a story from a different perspective. Could the Quran, could the tell Quran the, contain be, truth? Is yes, it, right? it could be. Well, here's but the where thing. it doesn't contradict the scriptures, it, sure, it could be telling the truth. But where it does contradict the scriptures, we would argue that no, that's not true. 
doesn't mean that the Bible's version of the story is the only version of the story. It's the places where it contradicts there. Mm. And it's important, I think, for our listeners to understand that the Quran is is not some narrative. It, it's actually made up of surahs that are starts from large, lar- it goes from largest chapters to smallest. And by a surah, we mean it's just a saying. So these are like sayings that Muhammad would literally say. People would write these things down. And so what you tend to find is that they'll have that he clearly understood the old, or had heard the Old Testament stories and he's picking those things out. Now, in their doctrine, they believe that people like Adam, David, Moses, um, that these people were prophets and then each of them wrote their own books. Or, or um, like Jesus, right? He, they would say that he wrote his own book, which they would call the Injil. And so for them, they, they look at this much differently than we're looking at it. And so then what's happening is Muhammad is going to be highlighting different aspects of Moses. Um, and so ultimately then what gets picked up in the movie is the aspects that Muhammad has highlighted about the Moses story. So from a biblical perspective, how was the movie? Accurate? Inaccurate? It was... a. Uh so here's my take on the film, is that the, the filmmaker was trying to tell the story of Moses and set it in a context of how would we explain this from a secular worldview rather than a polytheistic worldview. So if the argument is, oh, the filmmaker's trying to say God didn't do it, I don't think that is a fair claim because right at the beginning, the, the filmmaker makes it explicit that God came and rescued his people and basically this is how he did it. So it states at the beginning and the end that this is what God did for Israel. But the question I think the filmmaker was trying to answer was, how would we unpack this? How would we explain this from a secular worldview? And so it included things like Moses having what seemed like delusions, because that's what you would think as a secular person, that this person's talking to God, and, mm-hmm. but it looks like they're just talking to themselves. And some other things like that where, where uh, Moses and, and his brother growing up were thought that everyone was dumb for believing in the gods. And that would not have been their worldview at that point. They would not have been having a secular view of, of the world in terms of... So it's sort of like dropping the, the, the modern worldview, the secular totally. worldview, on top of the scriptures and trying to explain it. Because, because yep. the assumption is, well, we're right. we're right, and they were stupid for believing these things, and therefore... We need to we we need to have them enter our worldview as opposed to us entering theirs. And yet they would. St- I still think the filmmaker was trying to make a case for the fact that that God was doing these things. Hmm. It's just how would we understand God doing it from our right. current perspective? Yeah. No. And we would give naturalistic explanations for everything, which is what they did in the mm-hmm. movie. For every plague, they would give a naturalistic explanation. Yeah, I've read those before. It's, it was a real trend among. Uh, theological liberals for years has tried to explain that the ten plagues is one following after another. You know, the 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 blood leading the, the yeah, yeah. or sorry, the frogs leading to the gnats, leading to the flies, that sort of thing. Yeah. 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 One of the one of the things that, that I understood was that the Moses Moses in the story is much more of a warrior mm. than than the yeah. biblical narrative is. Yeah, the first and, scene and is that actually would be one yeah. of those like aspects that would come from the Quran. Mm. Is this idea, for particularly for Muslims, God's anointed people are not people that are going to suffer. They're not going to show weakness. They're going to be more of this warrior type. Mm. And that's what, from what I understand, that would be one of the aspects that yep. would be different. So would you recommend the movie? No. I mean, if 
yeah, if you're interested in if you're interested in seeing a version of the Bible's account of the story of Moses, you're going to be disappointed. If you're wanting to go to a movie to see what is this filmmaker's take on the Moses story, it's an interesting exercise to mm. to see and see how different people understand or would explain it. Um, but you got to you got to treat it for what it is. It's a it's a movie to entertain people. The filmmaker's trying to make some points. Yes, yeah, so you're not going to show it in your Sunday school class and say hey, and say look, yeah, now instead of reading the Bible about Moses and preaching from it, let's just show this movie. That would be terrible. Good That'd special be a bad effects. idea. Uh, underwhelming. Oh really? Yeah. Hmm. I actually thought there would be. Like, there's some moments where you could make some really cool yeah. stuff happen, and they chose not to, which I was like, well, what's the oh, it's point? a matter of money, Greg. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Were there points where you're thinking, is this Batman or is this Moses? <laughs> there, why yeah, you, there why were. Why do you say that? There were points. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, right. Kyle, can we get a let my people go? <laughs> <laughs> let my people go. <laughs> All right, let's move on uh, I'm going to just summarize this question. Um, basically, this, um, this writer is asking, who brings salvation? Is it God working together with us, or is it God alone working? Ooh, monergism versus synergism. It's Those were the words this, li- this listener used. Yeah, monergism means God works it alone, mono, mono alone, only, and synergism, working together. Yeah, You know, those are loaded terms, and it's a very interesting idea. So Joshua, I'm sorry, Jonah, when he's in the belly of the fish, says what about salvation? Salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Now, you can tell me what that means in there. So uh, if, if I assume the depravity of people, then I, I have to believe, obviously, that God is, we, we, orthodoxy would say that God is the active participant in salvation. But the dividing line here, there's a big, there'd be a big disagreement over whether or not uh, God is is uh, monergistically m- meaning that he is he is the only active participant. I, I don't actually know if there's anyone who believes in th- that God uh, converts people apart from their will. Is there? I'm looking around the table. I don't think there's anyone now who does that's what we call hyper-Calvinism. I don't think that that's the viewpoint would, of anybody. How would you see a dis, dis, how would you distinguish uh, irresistible grace though from that? Um, the con- the concept of irresistible grace or effectual calling is that God opens the heart and eyes of people to believe the gospel, to choose it. At least that's the way it's been. I think modernly portrayed. This is a misgiving, a misunderstanding. I think of Calvinist teaching, often. Yeah, irresistible. I think is so. not the most helpful. Unresisted, term maybe because better. Because it's irresistible. Sounds like you he know, you're a big it. wrestler or something in the WWF, and you're just like pounding on somebody, and they finally give in, even though they don't want to give in. Um, but I think the the picture is that God um, makes a dead heart live and 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 shows us himself and in that showing us of himself we want him he determines that he will win your heart but this is not done devoid of of the human will so i always struggle with the terms to be honest with you it depends on how you define it monergism synergism uh i i tend to lean toward monergism because i believe that salvation belongs to the lord one uh, thing, that but I, I, if you're if you want by that to say to me, well, that means that I don't have any part to play in this. No, that's not true. 
that's not true at all. That God God expects, demands a response. It, but you know, faithfully is He who calls, and He also will do it. That's in the Bible, <laughs> right? That's the Thessalonian epistles. And so, so what God commands, He provides for those who are His. So I, I'm. So is salvation all of the Lord? Yes, absolutely. It's all of the Lord. Are we just passive participants in it? No. No. When we see, though, a distinction, though, in the, the question, by the way, they seem to be making a, a distinction between grace and salvation. Um, and so they ask specifically, um, does grace require, ultimately, uh, synergism or monergism? Um, and to me, I would, see, I would see a distinction, though, between grace and salvation. How so? What do you, how do you mean? Because to me, grace would be entirely upon God, that that God shows His grace to me, that that He gives me something good that I don't deserve, and ultimately that would be relationship with Himself. So that because I, I would see the same thing even with a relationship with a person. Um, I, I, and you know, it's it's my will to. To have a relationship with somebody, I don't know how somebody could force me to, or that I'm working together with them to have a. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like it seems that there's this initial act that needs to take place Agreed. first. No, there's no question about it. That the, everyone believes that God acts. Yeah. First. That's that's what I'm getting. When at. I say everybody, everybody who's Orthodox would believe that. I mean Pelagian. Pelagius didn't believe that. He believed that, that, that the fall wasn't that bad, so we don't need God to act. I mean, that even gets to this idea. I would even push it back further. I've said this before. Like, I can't work my way to God. No. Period. God, God has God to has act to show, first. God has to show some level of grace to open your eyes to... Re, to, to, to now, I'm going to use the word regenerate. You, as an Arminian, are going to say, no, to show prevenient grace. Fine. Let's just talk. We'll just use the word grace. He has to show... An yeah. act of grace to us to open our eyes to see him. The question then becomes, well, can I resist that? <clears throat> and by resist, I mean always resist it. Right. Or, now, is God, agree, or is God good enough and powerful enough to overcome my <laughs> resistance and win my heart to him? I'm going to say, he's God. The answer is yes. You're going to say, no, if you're an Arminian. There are people that who resist him totally and God can't win that fight I'm going to challenge you there and say uh, you know I could sell you a car if I were good enough and if I knew enough about you and I think that's one of the challenges that an Arminian is going to have at this point is they're going to have to figure out well how can how can the God of the universe who knows everything about me not win my heart towards something now uh, question though wouldn't we agree though that everyone Calvinist Arminian would agree to prevenient grace at yeah some level? they define it differently yeah I mean basically we would all again. That's what I'm saying. That that God shows His grace by uh, opening the eyes of the blind. Right? Uh, an Arminian is going to say that God does that for everyone. A Calvinist is going to say God does that for the elect. And when He does it for the elect, it's with the, the express purpose of drawing them unconditionally to Himself. And he will persevere with them the rest of their days to see them come to faith in him and to persevere with him so that he spends an eternity with them. He, he marks them out and makes them trophies of his grace. 
That's usually what people mean when they use the word monergism. That's usually. But it sounds, in some people's ears, like, oh, I'm not doing anything. When that's not true. I don't know of anybody who would hold that, that you're not doing anything. That you actually are responding, but the response that you're responding with is with the energy and vision that God has given you Already. to respond. So then when we... Synergism says, no, God comes and he kind of takes his hands off. He, he opens your eyes, takes his hands off and says, hey, I really want you to really want to say hands off. He hands off the will, right? I want to influence you, but I, I, I want to influence you. I want you to come to me, but there are... And he tries with everybody to convince them, but people are just stubborn and, and, and most people don't come. Were you going to say something? But, so obviously people hold different views to this. I, I guess just to me, I, I just, I make a distinction between salvation and grace. Because, I mean, even the very fact that God allows us to be alive is, is him being gracious to us. Right. And, but, Gandhi, I'm going to say and that. And even that, that he's put his, that, that like, e eternity in, in our hearts, or that we even have this moral law that's been, that's what I was going to say, this moral law that's been put into our hearts. Yeah, so this is common grace, though. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah, and I'm absolutely agreeing with you. My, my question, so the I question, want to distinguish what do you mean by the grace? The question that I'm going to have for you, I think, is do you believe that the Armenian concept of prevenient grace is part of the common grace that God gives to everyone? And I struggle with that because I don't, I don't see the Bible arguing that. I, I see the bargue, Bible arguing that God gives a special grace for the elect. He regenerates them. Mm -hmm. And and you're going to say, if you're true Arminian, you're going to say, well, no, God gives that special grace of regeneration or the opening of the eyes to everybody. And I just don't know where in the Bible you're going to get that, that, mm -hmm. that, he, that he does that. The usual Arminian take on that is, as I used to argue it when I was, one is that, well, God, the, the assumption is when God commands you to obey his law, he's giving you the ability to do so. That, that's an assumption. It is. It's not expressly stated. It is possible for God to command something that he knows you can't keep, which is exactly what was the case with the law. <laughs> anyway, it's a, so, so the, I mean, it's a very detailed, I'm looking at Darcy, it's like a very detailed discussion right. in some regards, uh, and a lot of it has to do with terminology and how you want to use that terminology. It needs to be properly nuanced. Right. And so, like, if you, if you believe, oh, God only does it alone and doesn't involve me at all, I'm a passive participant, if that's what you mean by monergism, I don't believe that. But if, but if by synergism you mean, oh, God just sort of opens the door and then he has to work it together with me in equal parts, I don't believe that either. Salvation is, belongs to the Lord. Right. So what, can I be a, a monarch sinner? No, I, I, there's not a mediating <laughs> view here. I'm just saying that the way that people, the way that most monergists understand monergism and the way that they've stated it is the way that I would view it. It's just it needs to be nuanced. The way I view it. Others, Andy doesn't hold that view. He, he, more synergism? Yeah? Yes. Yeah. But I'd want to nuance it. Right. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, if, if we didn't answer that question enough for you or we uh, confused you, uh, just please send in a more specific question on that and we'll be happy to answer that. Um, hey guys, thanks for coming out about steer steering clear of Oprah stuff at Starbucks. <laughs> I've been saying that for a while. They sell her stuff, their prices are ridiculous, and the CEO <laughs> said not to shop there if you don't support gay marriage. What do at you guys? At Starbucks? Yeah. 
I he also sold the Supersonic, so that's two strikes against him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys think about that? Not the Supersonics, but yes. Don't, don't chop there. How there you, if you can don't separate the these things? They're all moral issues. What do you guys think about that? And would it be pharisaical to say that we shouldn't shop there for that reason, or is it something we as Christians should take a stand for, or doesn't it matter? So Bank of Montreal says similar things. They don't want, if they know that you are a business and are, don't have their same sexual ethics, they don't want your business. So this doesn't just apply to Starbucks. There are other, or other banks and other uh, businesses around. Yeah, honestly, I think it's a it's a Christian liberty. You can choose to do this or not. I don't bank at Bank of Montreal, and I don't eat that much Starbucks. But at the same time, if you went down the the track, sorry, eat, sorry, drink. No, they have food. Oh, they have I'm food. so they beneath you because I don't understand the terminology for Starbucks. <laughs> That's what I was I'd love thinking. to see you order a drink there. <laughs> Could I have a, a half calf deep calf with a double latte? <laughs> Come on, nobody's gonna confuse Jeff for being no, uh, no man. <laughs> Not a hipster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I would like to see you in tight skinny jeans. Okay, but, but how many businesses how many businesses hold that viewpoint? So I, I know that Mozilla, for example, who fired their CEO, Brendan Ike, a while ago, holds this viewpoint too. Because they wouldn't have fired their CEO if they didn't believe this. Couldn't we also say that the city of Atlanta holds this viewpoint for firing their fire chief recently? So I, I Pragmatically you got a problem. Yeah. At some point, you're going to have to get into, like, like we, the government here officially right. holds that view. You have a choice not to, not to eat Starbucks if you don't want to. You also have a choice, too. You can boycott it. You don't need to boycott Whatever. If you believe morally that that's, that's what you, you can before God want to do, or not. it's okay. But, yeah, you can choose to live in Atlanta or you can move out and live in, what's that, a suburb of Atlanta? Oh, I don't remember. Okay. Somewhere outside of Atlanta. Somewhere outside of Atlanta. The greater Atlanta region. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? But then again, I... So you're putting this in the Christian liberty camp. I am, although I'm happy to be corrected. I personally just think that pragmatically, you start going down this road, it gets... I think you have, it, each person has to weigh and balance it. Because, I mean, I could start looking at the CEO of every organization and start asking myself, do I line up with what they agree with. Yeah, not every CEO though makes those kinds of outlandish statements. And and yeah. Agreed. So Bank of Montreal, yeah. If I go in there and say, "Hey, I'd like to open an account, but you got to know I don't believe in gay marriage." I don't know what they do. They've you can actually for those of you listening, if, if you can google it. this and you can read about bank just for so that I give my Proof. I'm not trying to slander Bank of Montreal. I actually think that this is something that they have said widely uh, recently. I've been. I've I read it. Read several different articles about especially their uh, views. with businesses. I don't yes. know if it's about. I don't know if it's individuals. I think it's more businesses. It's a little hypocritical yeah. of them. Then is it not? Well, they feel that they, they they think that they're they're taking a stand for civil rights is the language that they would that they would use. I think to be fair to them. So it all comes down to whether or not you agree that this is in that category. Right. Uh, there's another question in this same email. Andy, you stated that faith is believing something we have good proof for. <laughs> okay, that probably just quotes a bit. Andy. Yeah, I was just going to say, first of all, that's not exactly how I okay, said so it. Okay, so what did you say? I've heard Andy say a lot of I've things. I've heard Andy say it. <laughs> <laughs> I said, faith is trusting what you have good reason to believe is true. So this, this uh, questioner is saying, but I was wondering how that would connect with the definition of faith found in Hebrews 11.1, 1, or in Hebrews in general. Well, first of all, I would say... Okay, can we read the verse? Yeah, now? go he, ahead. Well, I, 
I don't have it. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So the rest of that passage deals with with these people who did not see uh, the promised reward that God was giving them, but they lived lives of faithfulness. In the meantime, they, they honored him as if it were true, mm-hmm. even though they didn't see it yet. That doesn't mean, by the way, that they didn't have evidence for it yeah, being the, true. The whole rest of the chapter is people who lived faithfully <clears throat> and they're commended for that. So that they are evidence in and of themselves that this hope should be clinged to, that we shouldn't abandon this hope. Right. But the hope, but, but the, 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 the hope itself is not something that they had. When you say the hope, the promised reward isn't something that they had well, with fun, no evidence for it, they might have had evidence and they might not have had evidence for it. I believe that they did. They heard the voice of God or they, they uh, responded in faithfulness to whatever revelation he gave them. But the whole book of Hebrews is making an argument that you can trust Jesus, that he, that he, can, that he, is, uh, that he can bring to fruition what God has promised. Right. And, and, so, and that you should live that way and not turn back to your old manner of life because Jesus will fulfill his promises because God will fulfill his promises. You should live faithfully in that. That's yes. the whole point. And, and so then I would, I would make the argument that if you're looking at the word faith and you're looking at how does the Bible, what does the Bible mean when it uses that word faith? My point is simply this. It does not mean that faith is blind. And, and I think this is something that's crept into Christianity, this idea of blind faith that, that you know, we just... Um, we have no proof, no evidence. We just walk in this blind faith. And the thing that I find fascinating about that is that Christians, although they'll try to adopt that from themselves, they won't let anyone else adopt that view. Mm. So when the, when the Mormon comes knocking at their door and tells them that they have a burning in their bosom, and even though there's no archaeological evidence for Mormonism, you know, they, they want to say, no, you know, Mormonism's not right, you know, that it doesn't line up. Yeah, I, I don't see good reason to trust that that's true. Right. Well, the same thing then can be asked of us. Is there a good reason to trust what we believe is true? Mm-hmm. And so ultimately what I'm saying then is when the Bible talks about the word faith, it's not talking about blind, it's talking about trust. And I think, I think trust is, is a better word in the English vocabulary to, to get at the nuance of a biblical idea of faith. And so even then when you look at the disciples, what, what happens right after the resurrection? Well, not right after, but 50 days after um, we got Pentecost and Peter ends up giving his first sermon in, in the beginning of Acts. And what does he do? His whole sermon is why you have good reason to trust that what's, that what's happening to you is right. real, that this is all real, that you can trust it. You, we're not drunk, uh, right? He says to them that, that this has really happened and that Jesus really did defeat death. Yeah, I, what I'm, I think what I was trying to say, too, is the same, the same thing, that, that the, 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 the Hebrews passage that's cited here is not saying, hey, these people had no evidence for any of this stuff. They just kind of blindly believed. They, no, that's not, that's not the case. They didn't. They had the revelation of God, whatever it was in their case. So Abraham well, I was got say, called like, like, by God to move. And so he responded in, in faith. And so it's not blind faith. It's a response, a, the right response to God, even though he hadn't yet received the promised result. He took it, it was a risk for him. No, it was a risk for him to build an ark and to follow God's revelation. So I think you need to understand Hebrews 11.1 1 in its context in order to rightly understand 
you know what I mean? To well, not then, just drop it onto a conversation and say, well, uh, it means blind faith. It doesn't mean that. And if, when you read Hebrews 2, you see he's, he's, the writer is telling you about, look at all this history. Right. And look at how God has, has kept his promise. And, and ultimately, I love this, this idea of that Jesus is the guarantee mm. of, of your salvation. You can trust. You can trust God in the past. You can trust him now. That's faith. And what Andy's also not saying, like, is that that faith is is something um, that, sorry, I'm mumbling my words, but the, the questioner seemed to say that your definition contradicts the Hebrews 11.1 1 definition. And what you're saying is you're not actually going against what they're saying in Hebrews 11.1 1 at all. You're saying it is faith is something we have a hope for. It is something we don't see, yes. but it's not a blind faith it's something we it's have not something without evidence true. though right yeah. and so it wasn't so for them either so there's no there's no contradiction between what andy's saying and right. what the author of hebrews is saying no because even look at what do you, the what do the writers constantly do when they point back at the old testament right they're looking at these prophecies or either they're looking at god's faithfulness in the past or they're looking at god's prof, these prophecies <coughs> saying look he's going to be faithful he's going to keep his promise mm. and uh i mean that's Again, it, it's getting back to this idea. You you have good reason to trust. That mm. Yeah, the, the not seen, I think, in that, that chapter is something in the future that they didn't have the full realization of it. They had confident mm. um, conviction that God would be faithful, but they didn't see the, the completion of that. Uh, the last two chapter, excuse me, the last two verses of that chapter, um, and all these things, um, and all these, meaning all the people commended in that chapter, uh, these great people of faith, although commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. They didn't get the fullness of what God had promised them. Uh, verse, uh, verse 40 says, Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they, those people in Hebrews 11, should not be made perfect. That there is the, the coming of Christ, the completion of all things that Jesus gives us, that provides us uh, with the things that aren't seen yet, but will be seen when Christ returns. <laughs> Jeff Curry. Well, Jeff is such a punk. <laughs> what? He's like, more like a pirate. You know, you know, he looks like Axl Rose. Why he does are you look talking? like Axl Rose? <laughs> I tied my scarf to my hey, head. So just first to of try all, to throw Kyle off while he was explaining. First that. of all, I that was to, a payback for your smirking earlier. <laughs> I, need, I need to clarify that Jeff, the anti-hipster, is regularly sporting a scarf. Yeah, lately he's been sporting. at all is times. It, are are it's scarfs a, hipster? Man, man, scarfs. Dude, I am a hipster. There, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> one of my one of my first encounters with someone who was who was dressed as a hipster was at an event where the guy was wearing shorts, a white V-neck T-shirt, yeah, and a and a scarf on his neck, and it was the middle of summer. And I remember thinking that is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And now here I am, V-neck T-shirt, scarf on, yeah. scruffy, I've become old beard. <laughs> By the way, did you know that uh, Schick razors in the states, because there have been such a downturn in people buying their razors, uh, because of the, the 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 nasty hipster beard, they have done this series of ads where they make the they make the hipster beard, they Photoshop it so that the hipster beard looks like some animal <laughs> stuck to their chin. You should these people Google this and you get. And, and so they make it look like the hipster beard is just nasty. They're trying to turn the cultural tie wow. away <laughs> from facial hair. To, to, to sell them. their disposable razor blades. Right. Hey, well, thank you for listening. Again, if you have any questions, please send them to extra at northview.org. And we'll start off uh, next week's podcast with a question about tipping. Mm. Hmm.
Not like, cow tipping. Oh. You know what I've noticed about <laughs> tipping waitresses to improve and waiters prompt and... service? Perhaps. Oh. We'll that's, talk about that's it. That's what it means. Tips. <clears throat> Darcy, I've to noticed in oh. your in your hosting, you're starting to give sneak peeks now. Well, that's a you totally a, you've turned a leaf in really? your broadcasting wow. style. Tune Real in next end. week where we talk about tipping. What right. will happen next yeah. week? <laughs> I noticed we got a bit of a you know decline in listenership. No, we don't. So I'm trying <laughs> try to suck about people t- back it's about in. time. Because what, what people really want is a hint. <laughs> Movies do it all the time with trailers, huh? Yeah. So there, take that.